Everyday Business Solutions, the podcast that offers you the right perspective on achieving success. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Everyday Business Solutions. My name is Haley Morris. I'm your podcast coordinator and host. Today with me, I have an old friend. Her name is Hannah Capel, and she's one of my old college buddies, but I've had the privilege recently of getting to see her start and absolutely flourish in her new career. So I thought I'd bring her on to talk about working remote because more employees than not have had to shift um, from working in person or what they thought would be in person to working remote. And it seems like she's doing a pretty good job. So Hannah, I'm going to let you tell us a little bit more about what you do and where you work. Hi, everyone. My name is Hannah, and I am an associate account executive at Amazon Web Services. I'm based out of Seattle, Washington, but as Elite said, um, I've been working remote right now, so kind of the world's my oyster, but right now I'm based out of Seattle, and I work within sales at Amazon. I want to start off because you started fresh out of college into Seattle. How was it moving from Ohio, moving from the Toledo area all the way out to a big city like Seattle? Oh my gosh, totally crazy. So I would say here, this is kind of a, you know, a, a principal moment in my life, I'd say, is that big cross-country move. Um, I'd gone to school in Toledo. Um, I, I got my job offer in Seattle, and I decided to literally sell everything, take a couple boxes with me of like clothes and little mementos or whatever, um, and pack up and, and move to Seattle. I'd flown out there with three suitcases, and that's all I had, and it just kind of started fresh out there. It's so much different as well. I remember being very young and having all these kind of like stereotypical or cliche dreams of like living in a city and living downtown um and, and it makes me feel very good to be able to do that now and living in Seattle although it's much different than Toledo um still not that far off I can say from following along with your journey that um I'm a little envious and it's also I think I started <laughs> to fall in love with Seattle through you which is strange I've never been there but it's like New York yeah it started to call me um the problem with two cities in very opposite directions calling you is like, where do you go next? Um, mm-hmm. No, you're just, it's very interesting. I got to see you uh, evolve into a presidential role in our organization and then grow into a really cool role and move all the way out to Seattle, um, which is, you know, to be able to live a good life in Seattle, you have to work hard and make good money. It seems it's not like Toledo where the housing is dirt cheap and, um, you know, there's little pockets for everybody. So, and also you live over an underground city because I, going back to my little history nerd, the old Seattle burned down and they still have it tucked yes. underneath there. Um, yes. So, I mean, you've got, you got a city with history and you've got an incredible job and an incredible future laid out. So I just wanted to to talk a little bit about that first because it's impressive. It's very impressive to see. Now, did you start remote when you started with your job or did you have any in-person time? No, a great question. So I actually went into my job knowing that it was going to be remote. Um, I think a big caveat to point out here, though, is that we didn't know how long we would be remote for. So even though it wasn't necessary for me to move to Seattle right out of college, right? Like I signed up for the job. I graduated in December. It was starting in January. Um, I knew that I was going to be remote, but I still wanted to have that you know, rite of passage. You know, I'm graduating school. I'm ready to, you know, move to my new city, X, Y, Z. And I'm so happy I did, even though I work remote. Um, and at the time we were supposed to go back into the office, I think right around 
maybe end of February, beginning of March, we we're supposed to go back then. And then it got delayed till May. And then it got delayed till July, then October. Um, now we're delayed up until January of next year, but we're really waiting to see what that final decision will be. Um, but I did go into the big move knowing that I would be remote, um, but still needed to move. At least you knew you needed a place to work at home. <laughs> so, Oh, yes. When you first moved out and when you got started remote, what was that experience like coming from, you know, being in college, very lively, active environment? I mean, excluding most of the end of college, which was just weird. Um, you know, you're used to interacting with people. I know you're a very like social and engaging person, very fun person to interact with. And you were working alone from a home office. What was that experience like that first starting off all the way up until now? I think I think a lot of grads can relate to this. Um, definitely very different than expected. Um, but although I, I think in a way I almost signed up for it, right? So I moved even though I knew I didn't have to. Um, I moved and I, I was just working from home. Um, I'd say like the first week or so was definitely kind of odd. Like my parents had left, my parents had flown out with me um, to get me adjusted in my new home and they had left and I started work and definitely was quiet. I, I didn't know anybody in Seattle. I had no friends in Seattle. I didn't know anybody in my apartment. Um, and I was just kind of meeting people at work um, via like our Slack channels and like my coworkers and whatnot, but we had never met in person before because at the time COVID was still pretty serious in Seattle. Um, but with that being said, I definitely harnessed the power of social media, uh, figuring out people that I met throughout college, whether that be at, you know, business conferences or through student orgs or things like that. I had found some people that had lived in Seattle um, and had connected with them. So that was a really good opportunity for me to start to make some friends while I moved. Um, but in terms of the work adjustment, definitely really odd because that socialization is kind of very critical for a new job. Um, so I kind of had to look outside the box in order to how to get that socialization during COVID and working from home. So what were some things that maybe like you did or that your um, boss did or your company did that helped you start to bridge those gaps with your own team members? That's a great question. Um, and I think something important to point out as well is the team that I joined at Amazon, we were all fresh grads. So we were all in the same situation. Um, we were all joining at the same time. So we all kind of had this like, how do we meet everybody? Um, my manager and our organization um, did a really good job of making adjustment there. I'd say at just a team level, so at our management level, um, we had done weekly coffee chats. So we had done coffee chats and we had done a happy hour every week. So we do a virtual happy hour on Thursdays. And then we would have our coffee chats that were um, like, Friday afternoon. So just like something kind of fun to step away from work and do this would be anything from playing like some type of like online Pictionary as a team, or we do some like online puzzle together, um, just something collaborative and like an activity instead of just like sitting and chatting like water cooler chat, we would actually do different like interactive activities online together. How important kind of going off of that because of I've seen a lot of people when they transition remote they find not a lot of problems sometimes taking the work remote, like those work conversations, but how important do you think it is organizing those virtual social, social hours or um, virtual like games and things? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, great question. And this was something that I, I really faced as a challenge for the first probably six months at my job um, was really like finding the value in setting aside that social time during work. Um, so often I would just, you know, sit there and I'd be, I'd really be working all day and it would be probably like 
like, you know, nine hours later. And I'm like, I've literally just been working nonstop because typically we, we don't think of those short interactions in a, in an in-person workplace as being socialization, you know, like being able to like walk and go to the kitchen or walk to the cafe and get a coffee. Um, you don't really think of those like passing interactions as being social that you have no interaction with while you're remote. Um, so although I think it can be kind of like cheesy at times or like kind of cliche to do, um, it's, it's definitely critical in order to step back, turn off the work notifications for a second and just do something to entertain yourself and to socialize with your coworkers. No, I think that's cool. I haven't heard as many people talk about um, non-work socialization with their coworkers. You know, it's something like you said, we do in person. We mm-hmm. actually um for the hell of it today (laughs) we organized a potluck and we're dressing up in costumes on friday um so this would have been hilarious if this was friday because i would not skip out on costume day i got third last year and i need to need to take that first place um all those interactions though you don't think of them until you're separated and so when Mm -hmm. we first went remote i had my work had slowed down. I was working in recruitment. I was building out training guides. I had finished building out the training guides and recruitment had slowed to the point where I wasn't even actively doing it anymore because one person was enough. And suddenly like I was trying to pick up odd projects, but it's hard to pick up odd projects when you can't jump into somebody's office and touch base with them, see where they're at and offer help and assistance, which is what I do. Um, So it was really, really weird. And I had just gone full time too. So it was my first time like working fully eight hours a day, usually more. Um, And I couldn't interact with people. Uh, Well, at that point when we first first went remote, I was still part time, but um, I was finishing up school and doing everything else. And it was just like, it felt like different type of work for eight hours straight. so then we came back and it, I've, I struggled with it for a long time because for a while I was one of the first people back in. There was nobody in this office and it was very quiet. So now we, we have potlucks and everything else. We have a, had a cornhole tournament. Um, and, you know, you don't think of it when it comes to the remote team members um, because for a while we had maybe three or four that were active um, that were huge, you know, that weren't really kind of contracting out what they did and preferred that that were remote so we didn't have to besides bring them in a couple times a year there wasn't a lot of need to host virtual events but I really like the idea of doing more things like that and making it intentional to say oh no we need to pause work we need to grab a little something something and sit down and just mm-hmm. have fun so, exactly with that working with your team this new experience and things like that. What are your tips and tricks or things that you do to stay on task and to engage yourself throughout the day when you're working remote, when it's just kind of you in a room by yourself? Yes. No, another great question. Um, I would say here, there's, there's, there's a couple of tips and tricks. The first, which being, I find that I'm not very productive um, working remote. You know, it's very, very simple to wake up out of bed and go right into your home office and get right online, right? Um, but that's not how it works in in-person work. Like, you don't like just get up and go to work. Um, and I find that I'm much more productive in order to have a little bit of a slower morning. So maybe that means I wake up, you know, an hour or two a little earlier. But I find that I'm way more productive if I set a time time for myself. You know, maybe that would be commuting time for a traditional in-office setting. Um, but just setting aside time. Maybe I go to a cafe. And I just sit and I have a coffee for a little bit. 
Maybe I read a book, maybe I go outside for a walk, do something like that. But setting aside that time has really helped me um, become more productive at work. I'd say another area is, again, just making time for yourself. I really kind of beat myself up in the beginning of work of I need to stay here, I need to be online, I need to be available to everybody all the time. Um, but realistically, that's that's not how it works in the real world anyway. You need to be able to be okay with walking away with your computer for you know, 10, 15 minutes, walk away from your computer for 30 minutes. Um, do what you need to do in order to make yourself more productive as the longer you sit there just for eight hours engaged on just strictly on work. Um, at least for me, I become very unproductive that way. So being able to break it up, like, you know, maybe working from home, I take a break and I like wash the dishes or something for five minutes and go back to work, or I go for a little walk or do something like that. Um, that has definitely helped me stay more productive. I didn't even think about, um, the slower morning thing because my mornings are not slow. (laughs) (laughs) When they're very hectic, they usually involve my younger sister who is getting ready for school and two top, two puppies, one of which is technically five, but she's a puppy. Um, <laughs> and all of them require attention. But then I also have to get myself ready in the same amount of time. So I don't have slow mornings. Um, but it is very interesting because, you know, thinking about if your day doesn't start with work, how much more productive would you be there, be when you finally get to it, whether that's in a home office or in the building, you know, I think that's something that I like about like our generation and our, um, like, as we coming up into the workforce and gaining ground is that we're so much more conscious of mental health and like our mental stamina that we're able to make yes. decisions like that. Completely agree with you there. Completely agree. Yeah. I think we're the ones that said like, we're done with the burnout. We're done with chugging, like just we want to be happy too. Um, and I think it's made workplaces a lot more enjoyable and it's a lot easier to collaborate when you're at a healthier frame of mind than mm-hmm. when everybody's job is a chore. So, yes. So I guess transitioning off that working, you're not only working remote, you're also like a very talented individual and a really good job. What are some of the things kind of coming in, you know, you recently went through the interview process. It, not too terribly long ago, but also you've started a new job. What are some things that are kind of your make or breaks that made this job the right fit for you versus maybe a different one? No, great question. Uh, I would say going into college, I, well, I would, I should say probably going into graduation, I knew I wanted to go into tech sales. That was an area that's obviously very booming. Uh, Anything cloud-based is very up and coming. Um, still to this day, even though it's been around for a little bit, and I really want to be part of that change and that movement. I'd say a big thing for me, of course, was going to be location. So I knew I wanted to live in a big city, and that was a big break for me. You know, I had a couple different offers. Um, Some of them were in a little bit smaller towns. Some of them were in more rural areas or maybe not directly in the city itself. Um, But I knew with my offer from Amazon, I'd be able to live directly like downtown Seattle, which was exactly what I was looking for. Um, I'd say besides that as well, of course, a little cliche to say, but just a a company of innovation, a company that's very much forward-looking and curious as to what the future holds. Um, I knew I didn't want to be in a workplace that was kind of set on old ways and set in old habits. Um, And that's a really big, really big reoccurrence you see not only at Amazon, but at Amazon Web Services too, at AWS is just always looking forward and always seeing how we can improve things, not only for our customers, but for our people in the workplace too. It made me very happy when you mentioned cloud-based services, because this is a (laughs) company that's, that's what we, you know, all of our products and services are cloud-based and can be accessed And um, 
it almost seems silly to go without those kinds of things. Like you said, like it's been around for a while. The technology's there. It's been very integrated into everything we do. But um, just being at the forefront, it has been one of the most secure types of jobs that you can have uh, somewhere in that industry. Um, so like our company, you know, we had our ups and downs, but we overall grew during mm-hmm. a period of, you know, uncertainty. So that's very interesting. No, and that's, I think too, your ability to prioritize your location and what you wanted above um, settling, you were able to get what you, and I've all, you know, I've, like I said, I've known you, so I know you're a go-getter. I know that when you're driven, <laughs> I'm absolutely shocked if you don't get what you want. Like, yeah, I don't believe it happens, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not all the time. Maybe not all the time. So she says. <laughs> <laughs> but but seriously, it, it, I think, yeah, you know, it's, I think what I noticed your conversation, it's the fit. It's what you want and need and what are priorities for you and then what the company can offer. I think, you know, some companies you're going to find really, really great applicants, but you're just not the company that's going to be able to give them what they want in a career. And that's fine. It's more important to find those people who can be happy where they're at with you and grow with you and be happy than to find employees that you know are probably only going to stick it out a year or so just because you forced to fit prematurely or you forced to fit that wasn't, wasn't going to work. Like having Hannah Capella in Toledo, Ohio, just wasn't going to work. We're not quite that big for her yet. We're growing, <laughs> but we're not that big. <laughs> not so, that big yet, but growing, but growing is the, growing is the critical part. Out of that Seattle though, was Seattle the city that you thought you would end up with, or were you kind of just shooting for one of the bigger cities? A, a great question. Um, wow. Not at all where I thought I was going to end up. And funny you mentioned it too. So I don't know if I've really been told many people this, but my freshman year of college, I actually did an internship in early childhood education. And I lived in Washington on an island. It's called Whitby Island. Um, and I lived out there for about four months. So I did that. I like was stuck on this island. Long story short, I was like stuck on this island without a car. I was like, Washington, I'm never going to be back here. Like X, Y, Z. Terrible for me to have that like preconceived notion of Washington in general or categorized as that but I was like I'm never going to be back here um and of course I'd gone along throughout college and I had lived in Dallas and whatnot and I grew up in Metro Detroit um so I knew like what the big city scene looks like and I was really set on actually moving to Austin Texas I was like I love Austin um really want to see myself down there I love the weather I love the culture I love just the people down there um but it ended up turning out that my offer from Amazon from AWS um was in Seattle and I sat there and considered I was like, okay, I need to, I need to reconsider what had happened like before, like, it's not like the whole state is bad. Um, and of course, Woodby Island's beautiful, but you know, this time I can have a car and I can have freedom and whatnot. Um, also not 18 anymore. So that's probably going to change perspective on quite a bit. Um, but it, it just felt right. So I wouldn't say that I was aiming for Seattle, but I think it's kind of funny how full circle it happened of, you know, freshman year college, I was living out toward there. Um, and after grad, I, I ended up in the same place. So kind of funny how the universe works sometimes. It is. And it's, I, I've learned that I've only been to a couple of the, the big, big cities and I've been to Chicago as one of them. And it's like looking at Chicago and then actually putting in perspective that's part of Illinois is always goofy because there's <laughs> Illinois and there's Chicago yes. and they're not the same thing. <laughs> oh, not at all. Not, not at all. Not at all. 
Yeah, it's like New York State, New York City, not the same thing. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I never thought of, I never thought of one Washington as being like as gorgeous as it is. But I think what who, um, one of our friends, Seth, has been out there for a while and his pictures make me drool every time I see them. It's gorgeous. Um, but too, like, I never thought Washington of being like this gorgeous state uh, as far as its nature, but also like, I never realized like how alive Seattle is. It, I kind of thought of that city that's tucked up in the corner um, mm -hmm. of the country and forgotten a little bit, but I've learned from your pictures and other people who've traveled there and things like that. It is a very thriving city and it's gorgeous. Um, and it definitely suits your personality from what I can tell. So. No, I appreciate, I appreciate that. And I think one of the big things that I, I learned to really appreciate about Seattle is the mix of city life and city of recreation. I don't know if that makes sense. Um, but your ability to, you know, live downtown, be in a major city, be like in this booming tech industry. And within 20 minutes, you can, you know, be on a boat, you can be kayaking, you can be hiking a mountain. Um, just the amount of recreational activity to be done in Seattle is insane and unlike any other city. Um, I'd say probably closest would be maybe like Denver or maybe like um, Phoenix or something like that. Um, but I did really appreciate that about Seattle too. It's just the ability to have kind of everything. Yeah. Or you're in Seattle, Seattle people don't just stay to the city. They they spread out and embrace the that's kind of cool. Oh yes. I just think of like when I was uh, growing up, um, people talk about kids in New York have never seen cows. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, practically there's cows on our land, you know, like we have cows or we have horses and stuff. Um, and I grew up around cornfields. So I grew up where I didn't see mountains until middle school. And there's mm -hmm. like the smaller part of the Smokies. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Um, me too. But then again, I've never seen the West Coast and I've never been out West and about to change that. So uh, fresh times for everything. But no, it's it's really cool. It's amazing learning about your perspective right now in a remote work environment, in an evolving tech industry, like you said, but also just as like, you're a good employee to have. You're the kind of employee a lot of employers are going to look for. So to see what you like and what makes your job uh, enjoyable for you. That's going to help people really understand where they kind of need to get their ducks in a row to create the kind of climate that attracts applicants like you. So, yeah. Um, is there anything that you would leave our listeners with in regards to if they're job hunting or if they're even attracting applicants, if they're on the employer side mm -hmm. and they want to draw in new applicants? Is there anything that you would leave them with? Oh, it's a, a great question again. Um, and a pretty common conversation I've been having with some individuals recently, um, but really looking at people that are, I'd say actually this is probably more geared toward um, individuals that would be hiring, really look at that target audience of what is a priority to them. And I think when I say that, what I mean is for our generation, working remote is something that's very easy for a lot of us. It may not be preferred by everybody, um, but I see like by a majority of people within like my organization, a lot of people enjoy working remote and we have a very firm grasp on the ability to, you know, use the technology and use Zoom and use WebEx and whatever. Um, but I also see in a lot of places that the individuals that make the decisions of, you know, working remote and how that's going to look aren't necessarily in our generation. So I think, you know, leading with empathy and leading with understanding of, 
what like your target audience, if you're looking to hire mostly people out of college grads, those decisions you create in order to attract those individuals are going to have to align with their wants. Um, I'd say that would be a big thing from a recruiting perspective. From an individual perspective of somebody looking for a job right now, um, really make that, make that list of what's a priority to you. Make that list of, you know, is it your location? Is that the most important? Is it, you know, the salary? Is it the ability to work remote? Is it flexibility? Um, flexibility in hours. Figure out what those like top three are going to be and then go into that job search. I, that made things a lot easier for me um, when making my final decisions as to what company would best align with my values and very happy where I'm at right now. I have one last question and this might be a hard one. I don't know. Um, but from an employer perspective, something I've noticed is there are some hard and fast requirements that employers look for, such as number of years of experience or things like that. What, is, what are your thoughts on an employer who's not just prioritizing being able to meet the needs of their target audience, but what requirements that they actually set forward or how strict they are on those requirements to attract the right people in that audience? I think I think this is almost an easy question, you know, um, those preferred qualifications, that's that's going to be key. I think one thing we really overlook is hiring based on, um, you know, your ability to fit into the group and your ability to fit into the culture. Um, you could have somebody that has, you know, exact experience that you need, but they could be complete non-culture fit. Um, and I think that's overlooked in a lot of organizations. I think one one good thing to point out to specifically within AWS in my own experience um, is we've got a really big, really big big emphasis on hiring based on our leadership principles as an organization. So we work off of 12 leadership principles. And as long as your experience and your stories are aligning um, to those stories, then then it makes sense, you know? So of course, you're going to have those individuals that have that exact experience, but I think you can miss out on a lot of talent by having required, I don't want to say required requirements, but um, required qualifications. Um, you miss out on a lot of talent there if you overlook that. Yeah, those hard fast, like the the hard stops, I think are what get, especially yes. because they they put them in Indeed, and it's like you have to have this many years of sales or marketing or blah, blah blah experience, and then you might have somebody who has five years of experience versus somebody who has one, and the one person has learned more in their one year than that person who's just kind of coasted for five years. You never know. Hannah, did you have any questions for us before I let you go? No questions as of right now, besides just a big acknowledgement and a big thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, I, I've been looking forward to this for a while and curious to see all who listen and um, be happy to share advice or any insight that I can can provide there too. Well, thank you, Hannah. I really appreciate you coming on. I've always kind of looked up to you. And so now to get to share that with our audience is very exciting. So thank you for coming on. Um, and then thank you everyone for tuning in to this month's episode. I'll have a blog post ready with what we just talked about as well as a full transcript that you can catch over on our website. In the meantime, follow us on socials and we'll also uh, link out Hannah's LinkedIn and things like that so you can reach out to her if you'd like to connect. Thank you.